in unique places. So right from the get-go, I don't want to talk about creativity only in the fine arts. That is one area of creativity. But creativity involves any phenomena where something new or valuable is formed. And my only encouragement for you today is I want each one of us to rediscover the artist that God created us to be. When you think about creativity, you probably tend to think about painting, music, or theater. But today, Pastor Daniel encourages you not to pigeonhole creativity into just the fine arts. If you don't recognize it, you have a deeper need to create. But that's expressed in so many different ways. Whether it's at work, at home, or through your interests, you'll discover that God wants you to bless the world with your creativity. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Need for Self-Expression and Creativity. If there's anything that is truly human, it is the need or the desire for a person to be seen as a human being. Each one of us, deep in our hearts, craves being seen for who we are and being known in the midst of that. Isn't it true? Think about those times in your life when you feel like you're not being seen. It creates a rumbling deep within our souls. Oftentimes, we act out in the midst of that to ensure that we are seen and heard. Anybody who's been married knows what this is like when you feel your spouse is not hearing you. What happens? (laughs) A meltdown is what happens, right? Just an explosion. Because there is something inherently human about being held and beheld as a human being. And in a lot of ways, this reality gives way to self-expression, the need to express who we are. Deep down in each one of us, there's this life feels unfulfilled until we can express ourselves. And each one of us is a, is a microcosm or a macrocosm even of self-expression. If you were to look around the sanctuary today, Everybody is expressing themselves in a million different ways. How you hold your hair, the clothes that you choose to wear, the things that you adorn, what kind of vehicle you drive, and the way that you might adorn that vehicle. The choice of music that you listen to on the way in, or lack of music. All these things are you expressing yourself. I think for most of us, what we don't think too much about is the fact that each and every moment of each and every day, you are expressing yourself. When I hear that word, express yourself, of course, as a child of the 80s, I think back to Madonna, you know, express yourself, yeah. 
Each one of us has a huge need for self-expression. Now, what's really unique about this reality is that if we were to go into Crossroads Kids right now, right, and we were to go to the second grade classroom, and we'd say, how many of you are artists? Almost every kid's hand will go in the air, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And if I were to say in this room, how many of you are artists? A smattering of hands would go up. And you got to ask yourself, what happened? What happened? See, when you're young with childlike innocence, you're not afraid to express yourself, right? Like as a parent, my kids come home and every single year they come home with some art for dad, right? And every piece of art that comes in, you're like, oh, thank you so much. That's so awesome. You know, and like, is that mom? You know, that's supposed to be, okay, good. You know, like you have all that stuff that goes on. But then what happens as you get older, because this idea of expression, it, it involves risk. Over time, we start learning that there are good and bad expressions. People don't like what we've done. And what happens is, is over time, we lose that spark, that artistic spark. It's pretty common for people in, when you go through that kind of stereotypical midlife crisis to rediscover the things that you once valued because it's been choked out by productivity and making a living. And we find ourselves journeying back to these things. I bring this up because part of the art of living is learning how to satisfy our need for self-expression with creativity. You and I need to satisfy our need for self-expression with creativity. And don't miss that I put this in the third section. This is about loving our neighbors, living outwardly. Your and my creativity is a blessing from God through us into the world. What breaks my heart is that in all my years in church, I've never actually heard someone say that. That your and my creativity, as inspired by the Lord, is designed to bless the world. Now, when I say creativity... Creativity, if you were to define it, is simply a phenomenon whereby something new and somehow valuable is formed. It's something new and valuable. Now, when you hear be an artist, people automatically jump into fine art, right? Like music or painting or photography. No, no, listen. You being creative is not only fine art. There's some of you who are radically creative with an Excel spreadsheet. Now, I don't know how that really works. I'm not like an Excel kind of guy. But for some of you, you have gifts and talents in unique places. So right from the get-go, I don't want to talk about creativity only in the fine arts. That is one area of creativity. But creativity involves any phenomena where something new or valuable is formed. And my only encouragement for you today is I want each one of us to rediscover the artist that God created us to be. Because 
What the world needs is for the people of God to be a part of the phenomenon of bringing to light something new and valuable. And I believe that each one of us has differing gifts and talents in this way. Then you might say, okay, so Fusco, how do you know this to be the case? Open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 10 primarily. So grab those Bibles, open them up. If you didn't bring a Bible with you to church, don't worry because there's Bibles in the pews in front of you. I want you to pull those babies out. I want you to open them up to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to get you there. If you're part of our online audience, we love you guys out there. Don't forget, open up a new browser window, type in Ephesians chapter 2, or if you have some sort of a device that has intelligence of some sort, type in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The book of Ephesians is one of Paul's letters, so it's I guess about halfway through what we call the New Testament, that last third of our Bible that tells the story of Jesus. We call that the New Testament. You have the four Gospels, then the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and then you have Paul's letters. So you have Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Those are the big letters of Paul. And then they're all big, but they're longer in duration. And then Galatians and the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. This is a classic verse, these verses here. Most people know these verses or heard these verses. But I'm going to focus us in on verse 10 because there's some extraordinary things that we learn in that verse. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now notice it begins, it, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This speaks about how somebody comes to become part of the family of God, how somebody becomes a Christian. You are saved, you are delivered. That's what that word salvation means. It literally means delivered from one thing into another thing. And that happens by grace right? Apart from works. So somebody finds themselves in the family of God by God's grace. You might say, well, what's grace? When I think of the word grace, I think of a ballerina. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. See, a person is delivered from one thing into another thing by God's blessing, what we call grace. It's unmerited, unearned favor. It's simply God bestowing on somebody forgiveness and the opportunity to enter his family, right? And it's not of works. Why? Because if it's of works, then we could boast. I'm saved by God because I'm so handsome, smart, talented, artistic, creative. I know every sports score that's ever come, and I know every line of everything that ever is, whatever, right? It's not of works. It's of grace. Pure and sheer grace. But then it says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So you're not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. And in some ways, when I start talking about the need to be artistic or creative, you and I finding that creativity that God placed in us. It's, we don't do this 
to be saved. We do this because we are. And in a lot of ways, this is where what I want to talk about, about creativity, what I would call biblical creativity or holy creativity, is different from the I am the tortured artist syndrome. Because when you start talking about being an artist, you have the tortured artist. And really, the reason you have a tortured artist, and I can speak about this because before I came to know Jesus, I was that kind of a person, is that your entire identity is built up in not only how you feel about your art, but how other people feel about your art. And that is not what I'm talking about. Because if you're here today, you are part of God's kingdom because of God's grace, apart from anything you do. So you do not art your way into salvation. You do not do this thing so that you are saved. And I remember as a musician, many of you know my story. I was playing music as a career, and I was on that arc And when I got saved, I was in the midst of struggling with this fact that when I would play a gig, if I liked the way that I played, then I felt great about myself. And if I felt like I played a lousy gig or I got a a lousy response to what I was trying to express, then there was something deficient about me as a person. Because I was trying to use my art to build my identity. It was a pseudo-savior. And I'm here to tell you, when your art is your pseudo-savior, you're not getting saved. You're getting judged every single day. Because the problem with an artist is you always know you could have done it different, better, a little bit more smoother, whatever the thing that you're looking for. So art as a savior is a brutal taskmaster. But we put up front that we're not saved by our art, but we are, in a sense, saved unto this creative endeavor. Now, notice what it says first. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. First, I want you to notice that we should be creative as God is creative. We should be creative as God is creative. Notice it says, for we are his workmanship. Now, workmanship isn't a word that we use all that often, but if you think of somebody who's a woodworker, right? And we have some folks in our congregation who are just really gifted. You, you put them with some wood and some tools, and they can make something beautiful. You say, wow, that's amazing workmanship when you see something very detailed. The word in the Greek is literally the Greek word poema, which we get our English word poem from. So in a sense, he's saying, for we, the people of God who've been saved by grace apart from works, are God's poem. Now... Is anybody here a poet? A few of you have the gift. I love it when I read somebody who's got the gift of poetry. At best, I'm a poet and I don't know it. Every once in a while, I'll roll something off and it'll rhyme and I think I have a great career in hip-hop or something and I say, well, maybe not, maybe not. But you as a child of God, saved by grace, apart from work, is God's own work of art. Now, the beauty of the, you're like, I'm God's work of art. You are. Now, listen, you're God's work of art that's not finished yet. You have to realize that. The Bible literally teaches that we're all in process, that God is doing a work in each one of us. But you, created in Christ Jesus, saved by grace unto something brand new, you are God's in-process work of art. Now, doesn't that change the way you think about yourself? It doesn't mean that you are God's complete. You're not like, yeah, I'm like God's Beethoven's fifth. I'm like John Coltrane's The Love Supreme. I'm like Rembrandt's The Return of the Prodigal Son or the poetry of you name it or whatever. 
But you are in process a display of God's extraordinary workmanship. See, God is infinitely creative. Not only do we have the creation account, but the Bible teaches us that the work of the Spirit in our lives is created. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life is to absolutely transform us, to recreate us into the same image of glory as Jesus is. So God is creative. And God, in God's creativity, not only created the world and all that is contained within it, but God is recreating, refashioning each one of us every single day in Christ, if you find yourself in Christ. Do you ever think about God's work in your life as a creative work? See, unfortunately, because we don't have a culture that values creativity in the same way, we often don't think that God is being creative in the work that he's doing in my heart. But if you look back over the last week or the last month or the last year, you see God doing a very creative thing in your life if you're willing to have eyes to see. And really, because God is transforming us by his spirit, as God is creative, God wants to make us creative as he is creative. And that's a powerful thing. God is creative, and he wants us to be creative. It's unfortunate that we live in a time in the church where the church has kind of lost the value of human creativity. So often within the church, unless it's Jesus, 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 and everything's a cross, we think that there's something wrong with it, which I actually think misses the point of what God is doing. Everything has to be overt in order for it to be acceptable within the church. And I think that that's a tragedy. The church hasn't always been like this. The church is actually the greatest purveyor of arts historically of any organization that's ever been created. All you have to do is take a trip to Rome. Go to the Vatican Museum. The church championed the arts for so long. And it's one of the beautiful things here at Crossroads. We call our creative arts community the responding. And it's one of the things that we want so much is to be a vehicle for creative artists of all different sorts to be able to have community to be able to do their art and to be able to bring that art into the world. What does that look like? So we want to be creative as God is creative. You know, talk about fine arts I'm always amazed by people who God has given great business gifts to. We have someone like here, Ron, has been on staff here for three years, been a part of this church for 25 years. God's really used Ron here at Crossroads with his gifts of administration and finance. I think of someone like Bob Mortar, who's an integral part of our church and been on staff here for about a year and just a gifted business person. I believe that's radically artistic. 
See, it's not, it's about figuring out, Lord, what is the skill set you've given me and how can I embrace that as biblical creativity for your glory? See, when someone takes the gifts that they maybe have honed in the marketplace and start to apply it to God's kingdom, something extraordinary happens. I think someone like Rabe, who's been a board member, been part of Crossroads for a long time, as a doctor, when he goes on the mission field, he uses that gifts of medicine, not just to make money and to help people in America, but he goes and he gives it away in the world. See, that's a creative thing, isn't it? When you take the artistic gifts that God has given you and you avail them to kingdom purposes. I think for so many of us, we forget that the creative gifts that God has given us that we use in the marketplace actually have a place in the work of the body of Christ. Are you thinking that way? Are you seeing the gifts and the talents that don't save you but God has prepared you to walk in, do you see it as a way to bring blessing and healing to the world as we live outward and learn the art of living? See, not only does it say we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, but notice what else it says in verse 10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's a powerful statement. Really what it's an encouragement to is for you and I to fulfill your and my destiny. When was the last time you realized that God, before you were even a little twinkle in your parents' eyes, God prepared you beforehand for certain good works that he wants you to do? So really this is an encouragement to fulfill your destiny. Now, every time I hear fulfill your destiny, being a child of the 80s, I always think of Marty McFly, right? Back to the future, you're my density. Remember that? If you haven't seen, yeah, just, it was just back to the future day, like a couple weeks back. It was a blast. I'm your density. It's a great line. When we don't fulfill our destiny in some ways, we are messing with our own density, in a sense. But what this means is that God preordained you to do certain things. Now, I think that this is really important. It's my exhortation to fulfill your destiny, because really your destiny is the destiny that God created you for. And one of the biggest issues I think we have in this culture that we live in is because our culture is driven so much by making a living and paying our bills, which aren't a bad thing. But it's very easy to let your paying the bills and let your making a living undercut the good works that God has prepared for us. And we need to find that sweet spot where we do pay the bills and we do make a living, but we make space in our lives so that we can fulfill the good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. Ask yourself, am I fulfilling the work that God prepared beforehand that I would walk in? Jesus is Pastor Daniel will continue to bring the truth of God's Word to you again next time, right here on Jesus Is Real Radio. Right now, though, I'd like to tell you all about a new book Pastor Daniel has been working on, Crazy Happy, 
Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. This book will be launching soon, and you're going to want to get a copy. Why? Well, let's have Pastor Daniel tell you that himself. Thanks, Josh. I have a surprise for you. I am so stoked to tell you some special news. Drum roll, please. Okay, so here it is. I just finished writing what I believe is the absolute best book I have ever written. Why do I say that? It's simple. Because it's a how-to manual straight out of the Word of God for how you and I can go from crispy and burned out to smiling and joyful, no matter what you're going through. I'm not kidding. It's that kind of a book. It's called Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. And I know you will be blessed if you grab a copy. Don't miss out. Here's Josh to tell you more about it. This book is going to be incredible. If you want to claim your own copy, it's available for pre-order right now. Just look anywhere that sells books or go to danielfusco.com. You can scroll down the list for your favorite retailer. Look for special offers only available for people who pre-order the book. Crazy Happy releases on February 16th, but you can order your copy today. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.